We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Weston, Missouri and Holiday Distillery for another episode of Sometimes Weekly Sports and Stuff. BJ Kissel joined by a very special guest in Go Power Cats, Tim Fitzgerald. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. We've got uh, a lot to get to. Yeah, a lot of topics here. I don't think anyone knows this, but uh, you were you kind of started my sports media career yeah, way back so in the <laughs> way back in the day um, being a Kansas State student and taking my original sports writing class. My professor sitting right over here. I, it's so funny because we had a great class. In hindsight, it was an amazing class. A lot of people in the industry. I mean, Austin Meek is the calmest up in Eugene, Oregon. It was it was fun. I taught it one semester, and I'd like to think I did such a good job. They just stopped offering it. It's like you can't do better than that. <laughs> in reality, I think I stunk, and they said, "Okay, we're going to find someone else for this." I I would say it was a great class. I don't remember how often I was there because it was in ever. the spring. And I would just remember that because Kendra Wecker and I were the same class and we were both broadcasting students and she was like the all like everyone knew in the world who she was, but I was always gone for baseball. So we were partners for everything because we were the two athletes. And I just remember coming back and you'd always be like, well, you know, the athletes have to be go, go, go. And I was like, I'm on the baseball team. She's an all American. Like there's a huge, <laughs> she's one of the best basketball players in K-State history. I'm just happy to get a Jersey. And uh, some travel stuff. You got to travel a lot. But having spring classes as a baseball player doesn't really work. No. It's unbelievable how often you guys were gone. And we're going to go way off topic here, but I think that was kind of what we expected when we sat down. But the thing that I always remember talking about with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, played volleyball, was that they got to charter everywhere. So when they went and played in Texas, they would just fly right back into Manhattan yep. and she would be in her bed by like 10 o'clock that night. Whereas we would, bus three hours to the airport that gave us the cheapest flight to fly exactly. back to Kansas city to land at two 30 in the morning to get on a bus for two and a half hours and ride back to Manhattan. And it was miserable. We should have produced more revenue. It's probably <laughs> the key should have won that. more games <laughs> is what we should have done. And that is kind of the other point is that volleyball team is always in the top 25 and coach Hill and those guys, they turned it around, but it wasn't until after yeah. I was gone. And the guys that uh, were in my class were gone that they turned it around, but. Uh, I am excited to sit down and talk with you. And I know we could go through and, and tell fun stories and all of that. But um, you know, the first thing I want to give you an opportunity to talk about, because it's topical and it was in the news, uh, and former K-State quarterback Matt Miller uh, and what happened. And I never 
met Matt. Um, I don't have any experience with him, but I, I want to give you a chance to, to speak about your experiences with him and just the stuff that you've been going through, because I think it's important that every chance anybody gets to talk about things personally that can help others, that all we can do is give the platform and do that and hope that people hear it and they take it to heart. I'll just give some background. Matt was quarterback for K-State in 95, and he was pre-transfer portal transfer. Came in from A&M, um, was Les Miller's son, um, Les with the Chiefs for a long time. Spent time in San Diego, then Kansas City. Came to K-State to play. It got trapped behind Chad May at quarterback. Um, and so he only had one season as quarterback. But he, he was so important for K-State football because – he was the first of the Snyder dual threat guys, even though he didn't use them the same way he ended up using Michael Bishop. I think at that point, coach realized mobile quarterback in this conference could really cause some problems. One that can throw because Matt could throw. Um, and then they had Brian Kavanaugh the next year who was pocket passer. And then 97 was Michael Bishop. So really Matt, I think was coach's first glimpse into getting back to root football of almost, you know, basic wing tees sometimes, just mm -hmm. some very simple things. But Matty also had a lot of concussions, and um, he's most famous for being concussed at the Holiday Bowl when K-State uh, went on to just roll to victory because Brian Kavanaugh came in in relief and now is in the Holiday Bowl, Bowl Hall of Fame for the first real game he played a lot in. But uh, Matt got into coaching, so that's when we really kind of bonded. He was on the coaching staff at Kansas State for a long time. And then uh, you know, Coach retired and everyone scattered. And Matt, uh, unfortunately, kind of had some life issues, you know, drug and alcohol, went through rehab a number of times. Finally, it stuck. Um, and then I heard that he'd been diagnosed with advanced prostate cancer, and which was shocking to me because Matt's a little bit older than you know, he was one of those old guys. I think he was 23 his senior year. Um, so he was a little bit older than what you might suspect he would have been from playing in 95. I, as someone who's had, has stage four prostate cancer, um, I think people quickly reconnected me to Matt. And we were able to talk about some things that he wasn't able to talk with anyone about. But he started showing signs 45, 46, which is way too early for prostate cancer. I mean, it's, they don't even test you your PSA till you're 50, typically, maybe 55. And um, he assumed it was related to his previous issues. Mm -hmm. Plus he's, you know, knows he's suffering some form of CTE, uh, but finally got so bad, he went to the emergency room in Pittsburgh, Kansas, where he was living, they life lighted him. That's how advanced his cancer had gotten. Um, and you know, he passed away uh, earlier this month at age 49 which is very symbolic for me because as, a, as an activist, which I'm becoming about prostate cancer, research funding and PSA testing, um, the doctors probably still wouldn't have caught it if it had been one of those doctors adamant that you don't test for prostate cancer until you're in your 50s. Um, his version was awful. I mean, it was in his bones and brain by the time he was done. Prostate cancer, BJ, is really interesting because most people view it as the easy cancer and it is if you catch it mm -hmm. it really is and that's why uh, i've become such a proponent of psa testing i remember when i got my phone call about my cancer i was in atlanta for 
the NCAA tournament. Um, everything happens for a reason. And I get a call from an insurance agent saying, we got your, we rejected your life app because the PSA is too high. Get to a doctor as soon as you can. Alarming. Yeah. Hang up the phone, Google PSA. Had no idea what he was talking about. Prostate specific antigen score. It's not always 100% accurate, um, but it is the best way for early detection. So I'm trying to get guys, just go get it. It's a blood test. Just go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Yeah. And uh, now I had a couple of guys that have caught other health issues uh, wow. that, you know, just get, getting guys at the doctor sometimes is difficult. But um, yeah, if you don't catch your prostate cancer, if it goes stage four, you go from 95% survivability for 10 or more years to 5% survivability for five years. Wow. That's the teeter-totter literally goes the other direction. So, um, and basically the, the change is a prostate's like an egg. It's like a little egg, you know, monitor urine, sperm and all that stuff goes handles through there. And um, if it stays in the prostate, just take it out, take yeah. it out, throw it away. Um, I think my doctor had mine bronzed. It was on his shelf. I have my bronze prostate up on his shelf, I'm sure. But uh, unfortunately mine had spread. I hadn't gone metastatic, which wasn't in my bones or lymphatic or blood. Yeah. Um, and his head, um, that's the difference. But I was, it was kind of bittersweet because in December I was declared in remission after three years of being done with treatments and no sign of the cancer. And my good friend you know, passes away weeks later. And it, it was heartbreaking for all of us uh, because he had a rough life. And I think a lot of it was related to all of his concussions. Yeah. But you know, he didn't go to the doctor. At the end of the day, you're all responsible for your own health. Yeah didn't get to the doctor and it got really bad. Yeah. I had a feeling that um, this was going to be part of this conversation because it's, it's not prostate cancer, but I can speak to this too. And you were part of, you were around when I was going through this in college with my dad mm -hmm. passing away of cancer when I was at K-State and it was the same deal. And that his was a sarcoma. It was a soft tissue cancer that was in his knee. And it went back to, he had knee problems going back to when he was in college. He had a skiing accident that he went to Colorado and I think he partially tore his ACL and his MCL. He had some uh, scar tissue in there. So his knee always gave him problems. Right. So he gets older in life. His knee starts bothering him and starts hurting in different ways, but just assumes that it's that old skiing. Thing. Why would you ever think it's cancer? And, Why in the knee? And it was, you know, July, August. I was playing summer balls, living in Lake Havasu, Arizona with a few other you know, teammates at K-State and playing ball and, uh, told me he was going to the doctor and it was one of those, they thought they had caught it early enough. He didn't need chemo originally. It was just a little bit of radiation. And then it turned into, it had metastasized, you know, just a couple of months later. I mean, we found out the end of July, early part of August, and he passed November 15th. So like it happened really, really quickly and, and it all metastasized. And anyone who doesn't know the story, you know, I was a junior at K-State in the fall and, uh, we had, I'd gotten a heads up, Scott Thomason actually um, had come to my house and told me what had happened. And then my, my dad had fallen into a coma. And so I get in a car, drive to Kansas City. They read last rites. We do everything in the hospital. And he wakes up <laughs> and says, I'm hungry. Like, can somebody get me food? That's awesome. And my dad, this, trying not to get him. I did not think this is what this was going to be. But I remember going to the hospital and talking to him because he hadn't been responsive. And I started talking and tear comes like he's in his coma. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
He comes out of his coma, says he's hungry, goes into hospice, comes home, cancer metastasized. It's only a matter of time. But I got to stay home. I had two weeks. I got to sit and talk with him. That's awesome. So that's a gift. People don't get that. So it's a lot of people. Wow. A lot of people will talk to me about that and say they're sorry. And the best I can say is, you know, I had two weeks with my dad, yep. knowing that he was going to be gone. And people don't get that. And that was our blessing. I remember Matt Gerard with the Kansas State Collegian. If you remember Matt, he wrote a story on it. And it was so uncomfortable because it was so personal. Um, it was, a, you know, the next year when it came out. But I had never realized how much a gift it was to have that time in that moment because the next year is the blur. Um, but when he wrote that and then I stepped back and remembered and then when people would talk about it, I had that time. Yeah, it's – Matty had some time like that with his girls. He has three daughters, um, two teenage, one – I think it's just six. Um, feel for the girls. There's a fund on GoFundMe. You can search Matt Miller um, and help out the girls. But yeah, cancer's the devil's work, man. It it really is. Um, we're gonna we're gonna solve it. Yeah, you know, not boy. You talk about directions. I never thought we'd go in. Um, Sorry. The mRNA technology that they're using with the COVID vaccine. Yeah. Um, it's technology that they're also trying to apply to cancer. And what it is, is, is they, des they designed the mRNA to attack certain parts of protein. And now they're trying to, they're getting pretty far along working on it with cancers. They'll just hunt down the cancer and take it out. So we're getting there, we're getting there. Um, and I, I feel like better technology's coming, better uh, information's coming, but it all starts with the basic, Go to the doctor because if you don't go to the doctor, it's not going to get caught in time. Yeah. And as I tell everyone, you know, in doing what I do, I get a lot of phone calls and usually old farmers wives, mm -hmm. you know, um, my husband just was diagnosed and he's pretty advanced. And, um, you know, so many of those old farmers, they're, they're on their tractor. They're 75 years old and they're working every day. And yeah. um, they're tough old guys that, can't imagine all the body aches they have um, and they just ignore that stuff nobody absolutely nobody is tougher than untreated cancer it'll always win if you don't fight it sometimes we don't know we need to fight sometimes we ignore it but yeah it's, it's just trying to get guys to go to the doctor yeah. particularly after 40 um you know, that, that was my question is what's your advice to people that are getting no. i mean I'm, i just turned 39 so at what point? Yeah, I, age 40. I, I tell people 45, um, but really age 40 is a good time to push your doctor. Uh, just give me a PSA test so I have a baseline score. Your PSA should be anywhere between zero and four, you know, probably around one or two. That's where it should be. Um, so if you have the baseline score and it starts to travel upwards, you kind of know, okay, hold on. I was a one and now at age 47, I'm a three. So something's going on. Let's just, yeah, you know, it gets on your radar. Um, we, by the grace of God caught mine. My wife and I were applying for life insurance and I knew I'd have problems with my weight. Um, our term policies had run out. One insurance company sent out the nurse to do the home health checkup. And, and I knew we were going to get rejected. It was a traditional company. I knew I was going to, I knew she'd be fine because she's healthy as anything. And 
you don't get rejected for life insurance for having bad taste in men. So she was fine. Um, and um, I knew that uh, I wouldn't get it. And so we tried an online uh, company and they, two weeks, exactly two weeks later, they sent out a different nurse, but from the same company to run the same tests. So by the grace of God, I had back-to-back PSA tests two weeks apart. And my PSA score had traveled an entire point in two weeks. Now, they say that a PSA score traveling two points in a year catches your attention. And I was at two points in a month. We caught it early. I don't know how, um, but it was moving so fast that by the time I got my prostate out, so I said I was in NCAA tournament, so it was March. And um, the first surgery we get after all the testing, everything you got to go through. Guys, it's fun. Um, excuse me, that's an exit. That's an exit too. You know, they just, it's, yeah. prostate doctors always going in the wrong door. Um, and um, they uh, got me into surgery July 3rd, which was, that's really fast. Yeah. It, uh, by my last test I took, I was a 9.9. So I'd gone from 5.5, uh, 5.6 to 6.5 to 9.9 in a matter of weeks. And um, I went in, they were thinking I was stage three at most, which means it's overtaken my, my prostate. And my doctor said it was the meanest looking cancer he had ever seen. And if we hadn't caught it, I was in big trouble. In fact, he wanted to take out my bladder that day um, because it was in my bladder. That's where it went to. Uh, he said, you want to come, come off the table? I mean, I'm a big guy. I was down for other, he had to do some other things in there. And so I was down for six hours. But grace of God, um, we caught it because of insurance. And if you're not a religious person, you'll write this off to chance. If you are, you'll kind of smile. My dad was an insurance agent. He's not with us anymore. And I got the news when I was in Atlanta. My, one of my best friends from my fraternity, also my age, actually a year younger, had just completed treatments for prostate cancer. So the day after the phone call, we were out to eat in Atlanta, and off my journey began. And I just felt like it was, my dad helped catch it put me where Tad could kind of coach me through what was about to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, mine was so aggressive. Tad was stage three. Another fraternity brother was stage three. I don't know what was going on in the Pike House at K-State, but it was sketchy, um, which we all know. And, um, yeah, a lot of us have had prostate cancer. It's very strange. But, yeah, unfortunately, it did spread. And let's stay on top of it. Remission doesn't mean it's cured. People get that confused. But yeah. it means you're winning. Um, it's a nice hallmark but that's, guys just get to the doctor yeah. I mean, if i hadn't if we hadn't applied for life insurance i would not be sitting here and if we had applied for life insurance three months later i probably wouldn't be sitting here that's how close it got the decision to start the blog mm -hmm. to kind of be upfront about your journey and what you're going through I, it's a loaded question but just how has that helped you and what kind of, I don't want to say drive, or I don't know what the word to use is, but what kind of just, how is it, what is it meant to you to embark on this kind of chapter and become a, somebody that speaks to this? Because you're not just, and for two people that, you know, I 
spent a lot of time talking about the Chiefs, a lot of time talking about K-State and doing all of this and feeling good about the content and the connections that you make, you know, based on a mutual admiration for a sports team. But now you're using a platform to do something significantly more real um, that impacts people in a much more real way. Just what is that journey and what has that meant to you and how's it helped? You know, one of the things that I truly believe in, doctors will tell you the same thing. They've never had a someone come back from stage four that didn't fight it, didn't approach it with joy. One of my best days, BJ, was the day I found out I did have cancer. It's hard for people to understand that. The unknown, when you start your journey into this, the unknown is terrifying. And hearing the word cancer, even if it's early, it's just horrible. You've got something inside of you that is trying to kill you. It's unsettling. Um, but it was important for me as a communicator to kind of pivot my attention away from myself. I knew I was going to do everything I could, whether it was through traditional medicine or I'm going to be taking Rick Simpson oil under the table, which is high dose THC, which a lot of people swear by. Whatever I had to do, I was going to do. But I vowed this early in my journey. If it's going to get me, I'm going to save some brothers on the way out. I'm going to, if I can't win this battle, I'm going to make sure that one, two, ten, a hundred guys get tested and get, get it caught. And I'm going to win that way. And I think it helped my outlook to be able to just talk about things a little more rationally without being focused on woe is me. Boy, that's easy. That's easy to slip into. And I don't think I've ever really been there. I get frustrated. I get pissed off. I, you know, I have ongoing issues. And by the way, if people don't know, I'm an open book. This is one of the things men, men don't like to think about that in particular. Very emasculating. Um, I get it. I read a book by Nancy Brinker, who you know, is one of the founders of cancer. I mean, she's on the forefront of breast cancer. Susan B. Coleman, and she talked about in the 80s, women were afraid to go to the doctor because breast cancer was so emasculating. It was so, not emasculating, but, you know, it was yeah. private. And doctors didn't want to have mammograms taken. They didn't believe in it. And doctors didn't want them doing self-exams. All of these things were, were pushed out there by her. You know, the reason we have pink, the reason we have ribbons, is all her. It's all her, all, all the runs, all her, everything. And so I'm kind of following her playbook. You know, she's the pink ribbon. I've set up a nonprofit that we're still in the infancy with called Blue Shamrock. Um, if you ever looked at Shamrock, it's three hearts connected. Mm-hmm. So faith, love, and just keep fighting. Just be defiant. And it's kind of my Irish heritage. But yeah, just kind of turn it, turn it into something positive. And uh, I hope we can accomplish some. And I've got some, you know, Maddie, bless his heart, uh, brought even great more awareness to it as a college football player and a guy that is regarded to be way too young for this. You know, some national people picked it up and now I'm in communication with them. So hopefully something really good will come out of this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Say I, having not known him but known of the name, and obviously he was a part of the the football program and the coaching. Even when I was there as a student, um, before Snyder left the first time, uh, it's just so unique to be in the position that, honestly, that you were in, and being a very public-facing person anyway that's going through this, and then to lean into it the way that you have, and that anyone who's been around you is not terribly surprised that you use it kind of, you know, use your, your humor uh, to kind of package the message that you're trying to get across as opposed to this just sky is falling. Woe is me messaging to get out instead you use humor and all the things that going back to those days in the sports writing class, it's I'm, the same deal. I'm willing to make people uncomfortable to hear the message. Yeah. I'm a guy sitting here talking to you in adult diapers. I mean, you know, because Actually, two weeks out of surgery, I was better off with bladder control than I was post-radiation, which kind of napalm the area, so to speak. And, um, you know, so you get some incontinence, different levels of it. Most guys recover full function. Most guys recover full function of erectile functions. And I have full ED now because the radiation fried the nerve that was saved. There's two nerves. One was saved in surgery, but radiation got it. So as I tell people, life is hard, but not for me. Um, because, you know, you just kind of make, make fun of some of these things. But, uh, you know, I, I want guys to understand that there, it's not just life and death. There's some real lifestyle things that get impacted by prostate cancer. Yeah. That everything you're afraid of by not going to the doctor, you know, you're actually siding with the possibility of getting incontinence and ED. You know, so just stop that and don't get there. <laughs> What, um, I want to give you an opportunity to um, talk about your wife and what it's the process has been like for you in watching her kind of take care of you in different ways yeah. and, and those kinds of things. Because, you know, going back and I'll try to get through this whole sentence because it's it was the toughest part for me with um, after my dad passed when I was in school was my mom coming to the games in Manhattan by herself. That was the part for me that was hard and knowing how much and learning now how much she was doing 
when my dad was going through radiation and all of those kinds of things. And um, obviously different situation, but just how has that been and how has that impacted your guys' relationship and just kind of how you guys lean on each other? Yeah, you, you evolve. I mean, I, I tell everyone that um, you pick your team. You know, we're sports guys. And the thing is, you're the general manager of your health, of your cancer, and you pick your team. And I've been blessed to have a coach over here that is incredibly supportive, uh, always positive, gives me a push when I need the push. Um, I'm blunt about it. If you have relatives who are not supportive or are negative or giving you bad energy, limit your time with them. You pick your team. You surround yourself by people that are going to put you in the right direction and help you do the right things. That's a doctor. That's an oncologist. You're in charge of these things. You need to do your own research. You need to look at things. You need to figure out what's the best plan for you with their guidance. Um, but you're the owner. You're the general manager. You know, who's on your bench? I've got great friends. I've got friends that um, have been incredibly supportive. And, um, but, yeah, I mean, it all comes back to you know you got a safe place at home where she understands what you're going through. She understands the realities of it, the, the gravity of it. And she was facing the possibility of losing a husband at a you know, much younger age than anyone expected. They're great dogs. You know, you just got to surround yourself um, with as much positivity. And as I told people all along, if you, a religious person, say a prayer. Just, you know, add, add me in if you can. If you're not, send me some good vibes. I, I honestly think it's the same thing. You know, you may not believe you're being religious, but just, you know, being the hippie, I can send you good vibes. That's fine. That's good. I'll take it all. Yeah. Um, but pick your team. And I'm not telling anyone to divorce their wife, but thank God I didn't face any, you know, anything negative at home at one, never at one point. So it's been yeah. really good. I want to change it up a little bit and can't have, you on, <laughs> can't have you on and not talk a little bit about K-State and just where everything's at with the program. You're a lot closer uh, to it than, than most people. Uh, between football, basketball, we were talking about Coach Hughes and the baseball program a little bit earlier. But oh, where, yeah, he's a fun dude. I, if I give that guy his own podcast on the network, just put a mic in front of him, yep. that would be pretty entertaining. But what a, or just state of K State. What, where, how do you feel that everything is looking? Both, let's start with football. Well, it's it's an interesting time because I mean we're weeks, month away from a new president being seated, yeah. and um, that will have such a an impact under the direction of the school. I mean, I think when President Weefold retired and he had Kirk Schultz come in, it altered the way you know, he brought in an AD that was really good in some areas and really awful in other areas. So I suspect the new president will set a good tone for sports, but it's, uh, it's an interesting time. Chris Kleiman's going into year four of football. That's always such a huge year. Year three is important. Before now, he can build off of it where they're going. I feel good about it. Not everything. Um, I think there's still some things they're wrestling through to recruit at this level and the stuff you need to do and how it needs to be set up in-house. They'll get there. He's a smart guy. I really yeah. like him. Um, you know, and he made the hard decision to fire a good friend. It's, you know, it says a lot about how serious you're taking things. Um, well, basketball Bruce Weber, as we record this, um, you know, is – Picked up a couple notable wins and uh, see if he can make it to the NCAA tournament, which I think is his line right now. He's got a cross in year 10. 
But overall, I think sports are okay, but they could be a lot better at K-State. And as this conference heads into a new alignment, this is a really important time for football, the basketball programs, baseball, volleyball, all of those more high-profile sports to kind of get going in a positive direction as you go into a new conference without an Oklahoma and Texas. And you know, Oklahoma is so notable in football, but Texas dominates so many other sports in the conference just because they got so much money and, and facilities. Now everything's going to be wide open for schools like Kansas and Kansas State and Oklahoma State and Baylor and Iowa. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So we're, we're all equal partners now at this table, and there's no Texas sitting at one end and Oklahoma at the other end telling you what to do. Yeah. So it's important in this phase now in the next couple of years to really get all the programs heading in a positive direction. And from the outside looking in, and obviously, again, you're significantly closer to this, but just driving in, my wife's from Manhattan. We come back all the time. The amount of money that seems to be invested into the programs with the new facilities that are being built from the football to, I went and looked at the baseball program. And I think I was told outside of Oklahoma state, which has got a brand new baseball program or a baseball facility, K-State's baseball facility is one of the nicest in the country, not just inside the big 12, but um, you know, like our locker room when I was there, for example, is now like just the, it's like the athletic training room. Like there's a couple hot tubs, like a professional cold tub, whirlpool or whatever it is. Like, the space for that was our entire locker room. Really? And I just look around. Now they got VR headsets to do. They can face any pitcher in that country by throwing the, the headset on. It's like, you guys have no excuses. Like you better be good Crazy. with all this stuff, but it's the volleyball. Like I saw they broke ground on a new volleyball uh, indoor facility. me right over there by the baseball field with uh, saw Susie Fritz um, with a shovel digging this stuff out. It just seems like, the investment from the school and the boosters and the people that are paying for, however, that's working out. It's there for this next phase of whatever the big 12 and where the conference realignment does that K-State's going to be one of those schools that when they have recruits come in, it's just, they have everything they need to be one of those upper echelon schools in recruiting and not just playing little brother inside the conference. The pine trees are gone. You're aware of that, right? I feel trees. Yeah. It was, it's so weird looking. I probably helped put those down by the number of balls that were pegged off those trees when I was pitching. <laughs> no one's ever going to never gonna claim to be any great player in that kind of way. But uh, Ryan Rollinger at Oklahoma hit some of those pine trees several times off. So so. uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I mentioned John Curry earlier. Uh, he was atrocious at um, managing personnel and coaches. And just screwed things up, honestly. But he took Kansas State into a whole new era of raising money and tapping into different donors and not settling. And that was one of the things our alma mater did for a long time was we're going to put a deck on the east side of the stadium, but there's going to be no bathrooms or concessions up there. You got to go up and down stairs to do anything. You know, everything was half-ass. Bramlage Coliseum, complete half-ass. I mean, they didn't even, the building's not even close to what was and designed it just kept cutting and cutting and cutting uh you know the, the press box that we built after the old trailer came off the stadium you know was was nice but it was half ass it wasn't nearly what you needed it was like what you needed at the moment not what you're going to need yeah john curry came in and said we're going to stop doing that we're going to do everything right and we're going to find a new generation of donors and they have these people are so incredibly generous. I don't know where the money comes from at that level that they can give that kind, but the facilities at Kansas State will be second to none in the new Big 12. 
They're absolutely incredible. The, the new South End Zone, Shamrock Zone, it's named after a donor. It's always confusing for people. Um, and uh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's the nicest sports bar I've seen outside of Vegas. It's in, in there. Um, and Bramlage eventually is going to be renovated and gutted and they'll have a ground level entrance. And so there's a lot of stuff in the works, but as a guy who played a lot of volleyball when I was in college, a lot of way to go too, but um, the fact that they're going to have their own little volleyball arena seats about 3000. Yeah. Badass. It's, it's going to be incredible. And I'm just jealous that I didn't win the lottery in time to have it named the fix. <laughs> that would be amazing. But, uh, Orden, Brenda Morgan in, uh, in uh, Manhattan got that done and it's going to be beautiful. And attached to that will be Olympic training facility. That's where the pine trees were. So now, now those hitters will peg a building instead of a tree. I will say two things. One, I could not have you mention the new volleyball facility in Bramlage and volleyball and not repeat what I know Megan would want me to. And that if she had her way, it never would have left Ahern. She yeah. absolutely loved, and a lot of her teammates that she played with, they absolutely loved playing at Ahern. They loved that there was no air conditioning. They loved all of that. I loved sitting up in the corner so I could talk and no one could hear me. Uh, but there was something really cool about going to games in Ahern. I know that, and I've talked to her about recruiting and this and that, like you got to have something, and she was not hearing it. Well, I love that volleyball was in there for so long because your generation got to understand like a little sampling of how acoustically awful that building is. Yeah. And when it was full, <laughs> uh, you know, Allen Fieldhouse gets loud. Uh, other places get loud. There's, there's literally no place I've ever been that got as loud as Fieldhouse field house because yeah. it was a, just a train wreck of acoustics. It was metal. And I was, it's just, they tried to have like, Led Zeppelin and Moody Blues concerts in there in the 70s. And I'm like, can't do this. <laughs> I heard Ronald Reagan speak in there and I couldn't really understand much he said because of all the reverb and bouncing of the sound. My favorite O'Hearn story is when I was a young journalist, I was covering a KUK State game. Now, how's this for dated? You had to climb a ladder to the crow's nest that's up nestled against the ceiling uh, to get your seat. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable that we ever had to do that. So you're you're attached to the, the angle of the roof. So you've got the sound coming right down at you. And all the tabletops are just old wooden. And there was one of those big old Royal typewriters. So they type up the play-by-play. -play. Some, someone had to just keep up typing play-by-play. -play. And it was so loud in the field house that day that I looked down and that tape, that typewriter was bouncing down the table towards me. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? It was just the acoustics are just awful in there. But it's also not an athletic facility. It's technically a university facility. And as you know, the university doesn't have enough money for upkeep. They're trying to keep dorms yeah. and classrooms open. And Ern just felt it's, yep. it, it's just trash now, unfortunately. Father-in-law works for K-State facilities. So anytime any of that stuff breaks, he's the one who's dispatched to go and try to fix all of it. But I, I think I could tell this story, statute of limitations or whatever. And technically it wasn't locked. So it's not breaking yeah. into anything. But few months ago we may have been near a hern uh with my wife when we went in and the old volleyball court stacked up off to the side and megan just went up and started hugging it and she just smelled it and she just like hugged it for a while we we're in there walking around it's by midnight and the doors were open we we're in there walking around but 
their thing. And I don't know if this was a John Curry deal or who did this, but the first time I went back to a K-State baseball game where they could legally serve alcohol, I was standing down the third base line, just kind of like watching the game. I think it may have even been like the Arkansas super re- like the regional game, right. the wild pitch that won the game. Still have never seen a baseball game in like that before. But um, first time I saw somebody had a tall boy Bud Light right next to me and they were just holding it out drinking. And I just remember looking I'm like, it's really bold of you to like not even try to hide it. And yeah. then I looked around and there's a few people to add him. I was like, you kidding me? You can you could buy alcohol here. I think it was before any other sport. Like unless I'm wrong, no, it was the first time I remember seeing like somebody drink a, a beer, and I was like, "That is ingenious." Like good they used it to see how it worked, you know. And they've got it in basketball now. You can you can get your white claw or there beer. Uh, it'll eventually get to football. For now, they're keeping it isolated in you know, certain areas, but it'll, it'll get to the stadium eventually. Right. Before we let you go on it give you a chance just to, again, use the platform to, to spread the message and kind of what you've spent a good portion of the last few years of your life kind of championing. Yeah. I mean, people out there, it's, it's simple. The PSA is a blood test. It's not even an expensive one. Even your doctor says, well, your, you know, your plan doesn't cover it. Find out how much it is and pay the bill if you can. Um, and I, I guess also I, I need to underscore this. You know, I'm my audience isn't all but typically white male um that's great but we have a bigger problem in, in black and hispanic men are dying at three times the rate of white men and we don't know exactly why but it's probably access to health care society not going to the doctors ingrained in some of those cultures too um it's being tougher and, and not growing up around constant you know mom's taking you to the doctor you kind of you know, it's those things. Yeah. Maybe it may be some of it's genetic, but that is one of my goals is to, to raise awareness in minority communities about, about this and the PSA score. But if you're 40 or over, certainly 45, go get your PSA score. Get that baseline score, table set. Anything goes wrong, they'll have a they'll be able to look back and say, This is it. And who knows? Maybe getting you to the doctor will catch that you maybe have diabetes coming on or you might have some other form of cancer. Someone hit me up on Twitter that they're under treatment for a different type of cancer because they went to get their PSA scores and caught it. Wow. So just get to the doctor, guys. You're not, you know, you're not that tough. And it's those like, not to make light of it, but those life insurance tests, those companies don't want to give you money unless they know you're healthy. Ooh, so yeah. you want a way to make sure that they'll check to make sure that there's nothing like that happening. I, I, I finally found a good. company that would insure a fat man and they caught cancer. So. I was destined not to have that insurance policy. <laughs> there you go. Well, again, everybody listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sometimes Weekly. And thanks to everybody up here at Holiday Distillery in Western Missouri. If you haven't had a chance to get up here and take the tour, you got tours every single day. Our guy, Matt, will give you the tour and you will learn why this is one of the just hidden gems outside of Kansas City that more people should know about. Come up here. They will take care of you. A lot of good people. And again, thank you so much. Tim Fitzgerald from Go Power Cat and 247 Sports. Thank you all. We will see you guys next time. Obviously, with the Chiefs game coming up, we'll have you covered at KC Sports Network with all that stuff. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. 
Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.